Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today in Giant Talk is delighted to be joined by Anne Walton, Vice President, People and Operations at Voices.com. Voices is the online marketplace that connects businesses with professional voice talent. Today, Anne and I are going to talk about how you can organically and intentionally create a healthy culture. So welcome to Giant Talk, and it's great to have you with us for today's episode. Please, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hello, Carly. I'm so delighted to be here and chat with you and your listeners about a very important topic. And I'll keep my intro brief. Um, you know, you and I chatted, um, and I've got a quite a diverse uh, background, uh, more than 30 years in information services and fintech companies. And I've been very fortunate. My roles have allowed me to participate in all aspects of business, including strategic planning, operational alignment, process engineering, and organizational change management. And I'm really, really passionate about those four key elements. Um, But that said, in late 2013, um, I came to a stage in my career where I really wanted to focus on what I was most passionate about. So I did a lot of reflection um, and I realized that the human aspect of work has always been the most important to me and the thing that I've been most passionate about, um, which is kind of why I landed in people operations, which many people will call human resources. And that's really where I spend my time and my energy. Um, and it is true, if you find what you love um, every day, is a celebration to go to work. Um, As someone who works in people and operations at a tech company, it may surprise you to learn that I've actually never had a cup of coffee. Um, All my colleagues uh, think that's funny. I I can't imagine me with with more caffeine in me uh, because I know that that's the holy grail for a lot of working professionals, especially in the technical industry. Uh, But I'm a tea gal uh, through and through. Thank you, Anne. And as you said, we had a brief... um, conversation before uh, talking about the podcast and I can definitely hear the passion when you when you talk about um the topic so I've been really excited to do this podcast um, and get to delve into it a little bit deeper so let's start by talking about culture um, and giving your definition of culture I know there are various different definitions and everyone has their own thoughts on that so I'd like to hear your your definition Well, I mean, Carly, you're so right. There's so many definitions of culture, but in my experience, culture is best defined um, by how the employee um, feels in in, in the given environment. Um, What does being immersed and working in that company, that organization, and that culture feel like? And that's the important word. What does it feel like to them? Um, Corporate culture is an accumulation of values a company upholds. Um, And I want to be really clear here. That's outside of client or public attention or even the climate. A very good example right now would be, you know, during the pandemic, how did companies respond? Did they care about the people? Did they care about their health? That would then align to the values of the organization and the culture of the organization. It's kind of like what I would always say. It's kind of like what's going on behind the scenes. Um, And how do those core values show up in times of crisis um, or a need uh, for an organization or its people? Um, A good representation would be the question, how do companies show up when times are tough? How do they show up for their people? How do they show up for each other? Um, And I would also say, um, ask yourself, how does a company operate? I think that that's often underlooked. How do they communicate? How do they recognize wins? How do they track progress? How do they implement tools? 
Um, and that's really, really important for people coming into a culture, into a business to understand what's accessible to me, what tools are available to me. Are there too many? Are there too little? Are they antiquated? Are they innovative? Um, and operations are really important part of culture, which I don't think a lot of people um, um, think about when they hear the word culture. Um, and it's more than just direct impact on in-house colleagues, of course. It's also important to ask how a company treats its colleagues in mundane routine matters, um, how it treats its clients and how it treats its community. Does it behave ethically, responsibly? Um, does it support community initiatives? Um, a company's culture, and this is something, I, I do this culture presentation um, for all new, uh, all new colleagues that join Voices. And now we have to do it virtually. Hopefully we'll be back in uh, doing it live uh, soon. But I always say the culture is who we be. It's that feeling, it's who we be, it's the sum of those parts. And a healthy culture is critical to assist, to the sustained success of any organization. Thank you, Anne. I think it's really um, important how you mentioned the pandemic and how organizations um, show their culture in, in times of crisis, um, especially with those employees that, like you've mentioned, the virtual sort of onboarding um, at Voices, with those that, employees that aren't face-to-face -face and you're having to to show that culture to not only those that would have been in the office with you but also and virtually and how that all comes together we mentioned a healthy culture so can we just talk about what what we mean by a healthy culture what are the signs that your culture is healthy yeah, I love that you asked that question, Carly, because we throw around these terms from time to time, like healthy culture. It's like, but what does it mean? Like, is this just another buzzword somewhere? And I really think that the best way to explain it is that it um, you have to think about two different camps. And one is tangible and the other one is intangible. It, 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 let, let me explain. So tangible are what I would call the measurable components um, of a quantitative nature. So these are the things, you know, you know, these are kind of table stakes. So the ability to attract and retain, retain talent. So, you know, number of qualified applicants and your turnover rate, um, employee referrals. That's a really good indication. If your colleagues, um, and I, I want to just mention, you'll notice that I use the word colleagues a lot. I think that's very important to culture is that we don't call people employees unless you have to put it into policy or something. So, um, yeah, try that. Start calling people colleagues at work. It creates unity. Um, employee referrals. So are the people, the colleagues that work for your company, are they saying to the people they know, hey, come work here. This is a great place to work. So, so keep an eye on that. How many employee referrals uh, are you receiving? Um, and if they're highly incentivized, and they should be incentivized, but they're, they're highly incentivized, you might want to check that sometimes to make sure that, um, you know, the incentivization, usually a financial uh, incentive, isn't so great that people are just giving you like everybody on their contact list um, and diverse hiring practices. I mean, I hope that we don't even need to have this conversation anymore, but I know that we do. Are you hiring a diverse array of talent? I often um, say to people, if you keep hiring yourself, the company's missing out. And quite frankly, you're missing out on your own growth. Hire people that are going to challenge you, your opinions and your views on things. That's really, really important to an innovative collaborative team. 
Um, and then, of course, the ENPS, right? So, you know, I've heard uh, through many of your podcasts, you've had your speakers chat about employee engagement scores, participation rates, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about those later. But declining um, uh, means that people have tapped out. So, and that's why it's important not only to take a look at your ENPS score or employee net promoter score, um, it's also really, really important. What's your participation rate like? If you start to see that decline, it means people have given up. They're like, nah, I'm not answering this anymore because you guys don't do anything about it. Um, and low to no turnout, uh, turnout at social company events. That's another thing to keep an eye on. Um, are people showing up for pleasure events um, associated with the company? if they're not mandatory to be there. That's a good indication if you've got high participation rate, that they're still in, they wanna be part of this culture. Mm-hmm. So that was the tangible elements, Carly. I want to talk a little bit about the intangible or uh, the more qualitative in nature, um, which I think are equally and perhaps even more important than the tangible signs. Um, so in times of celebration or in times of need, how do people show up for each other? Um, Are they patting each other on the back and smiling and high-fiving each other when there's a win? Um, Or, and we've seen this a lot at Voices over the last couple of years, in times of need, are they present for each other? Are they kind to each other? Are they empathetic? Um, And how do colleagues uh, interact with each other in social context? You know, we have the most beautiful office. And one of the greatest pleasures that I get is when I walk in there and you see colleagues eating together, breaking bread together and playing euchre together. I don't know if that's a big thing in the U.S., uh, excuse me, in, in Britain, Carly, but it's certainly a big thing in Canada. Are they playing games together? That's a really, really good indication that they want to build relationships because they're happy with the culture and they think it's a healthy culture. Um, And how are they interacting each other in a professional context? Um, You know, if someone's if you can see that someone's workload um, is overwhelming or you know that somebody's plate is really full right now, maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something in their personal lives. Are they checking in with each other and saying, hey, you know what, Carly, I know that you've got these three deliverables next week. Let me give you a hand with that. Or do you want to you know, meet over lunch and we'll go through that spreadsheet together? I think that that's really important um, that every person um is looking for areas at work that they can help each other out and not just stick within their own box. And this is a big one, Carly. How do people speak to each other? I think that's really important. And I listen all the time. To me, that's actually more important than any engagement survey I get. Are they using a lot of language like me, I, or are they using language like us or we? And that does make a difference. It shows that they want to feel part of a community at work. Um, it's more in com- uh, it is more common to hear words of encouragement and gratitude and understanding, um, or are you hearing words of criticism or blame? Right? Are are we are we do we have finger pointing or are we lifting each other up? I just um, uh, hired somebody for our team the other day, and one of the things that we had a conversation about uh, because it's very important to me is how people treat each other. So I actually just didn't speak with her about the job. I spoke with her about how we be, and specifically in our group, I work with a group of amazing four amazing women, and we hold each other up. There's no nonsense. There's no words. If you've got an issue, we deal with it. Um, uh, so, yeah. So I think that that's, that's an important piece. Um, an example of a simple but effective healthy culture practices. I'm going to talk a little bit about 
um, what we do at Voices. Um, every Monday, we have a quick, what we call a huddle, and it's a company-wide, everybody jumps on this call. It's 15 minutes just before lunch. Um, and at Huddle, we share company updates. So we're very, very transparent. So we share you know, the financials of the prior week. But the thing that I think adds to a healthy culture is we also share good news and thank yous. And we have a Huddle Master. So this isn't the leadership team. These are our colleagues that are volunteering to be the huddle master. Um, and this gives everybody in the company, and trust me, Carly, sometimes we even go over time with the thank yous and the good news um, that we celebrate with each other. Uh, but to hear about the accomplishments of the team, offer thanks. And you know what? It really, really contributes and builds a sense of community and a shared success. So when we spoke previously, you spoke about colleagues being our biggest asset something that I totally agree with and just on the point that you mentioned before about calling them them colleagues I think it just shows that importance and that unity um, and we as human beings we all have different needs how do you as a, a leader deal with the different needs of your colleagues? Geez you know I I love this question because one of the other things that you and I chatted about was, you know, we often use these phrases and sometimes it drives me crazy in business where we hear things like, you know, our employees and our colleagues, they're our greatest asset. And it's like, yeah, show me, tell me how, 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 how are you, how do they know that? And one of the things that um, always comes to mind for me, and it's one of the things that I share with my colleagues on a regular basis, specifically in our management programs is I think that you know that you know that expression, Carly, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. I think it's flawed. I think it's flawed. And I think that that's one of the challenges that we have uh, in business, specifically as leaders. So, so let me let me add some context to that and explain what I mean. Um, I was speaking with about 30 of our colleagues. And to illustrate this, I said I was going to order um, everybody mushroom pizza for lunch. And some were happy and some were unhappy. Now, you'll notice I didn't actually ask, does anyone like pizza? And does anyone like mushrooms? <laughs> and instead, I treated them all the same way because I like pizza and I love mushrooms. Um, but that doesn't mean everybody else does. So forgive my, my crude example, um, mm -hmm. but that is how ridiculous it is sometimes. Um, and as a people leader, um, you need to find out who people are, what's important to them and what they need. And I just, I, I can't stress it enough, what's important to them and what they need, not what you think they need. Um, there are two questions that you must answer for everybody. Um, and that is what's in it for me and how does this affect me? Those two questions need to be answered. Because if you don't answer those first, especially if you're doing change management within an organization, people don't feel heard and they don't feel taken care of. They feel like you've abandoned them. You're not listening or understanding their personal needs and how a change might affect them. Mm -hmm. So if you don't answer those two questions first, quite frankly, and I've tested this, they don't hear anything else you say especially if it's a major change. Um, it's not a sign. And some people think that when people say, what's in it for me, and they usually don't verbalize it, but they're definitely thinking it. So what's in it for me and how does this affect me? Um, it's not a sign of somebody being selfish. It's actually, and this is where the behavioral science comes in, it's actually an innate basic human need. So I think that as leaders, back to your original question, you have to find out um, what's important to people. And then you also always have to answer those questions. So the crux of it is that you have to treat people 
as people first and then working professionals second. You have to meet them at that level, especially in our current environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to meet them where they need to be. And in order to do that, my goodness, Carly, you have to speak to them. You have to find out what's important to them. Um, so treat people the way they need to be treated, not the way you want them to be treated. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's recognizing that all of those colleagues in your team are all different people um, and how, like you said, they, they they want to be treated. You can't, you know, you don't have a team of clones. You don't have, you know, copies of, of the same person and how they react to what you say will be different. And I think it's important, especially as we've said, with people working remote or, or hybrid, um, to have, I think, one-to-one conversations as well and opening that lines of conversation. And like you said, on a, a personal level as well as um, from a leader, yeah, get to know them, I think, and, and how they like to be, be treated. So we've spoken about what a healthy culture means. Can you share some ways in which you can start to create a healthy culture? What can a leader or team leaders do to start to create a healthy culture? Yeah. Um, you know, we all have these ideas about what culture is. And, you know, I got to think they're a little bit dated sometimes. And they may be effective for a quick minute before fizzling out completely. So let me give you an example. We all know that, you know, candy in the break room is great. Um, and Friday night afternoons off um, are nice perks to have. But they do not create culture. And I think that some companies mix that up sometimes as they try and do all of the bells and whistles and perks. And then they wonder why people aren't happy or they're not productive or why they have a high turnover rate. Uh, When we want to start creating a healthy culture, or as I say, who we be, uh, we have to decide what is our unique employee value proposition. And we're spending a lot of time on this right now at Voices, the EVP, the employee value proposition and the employee brand. And this, Carly, is I'm not talking compensation and benefits, although that's part of it. um, But what are the company's values? And how are we going to create experiences for our colleagues that actually align to and uphold those values? Um, Do those align with the people we're hiring? Like, are we hiring people and asking questions about, you know, to, to, to discover Will this person align with our values? Um, Do we really mean what we say? And I will tell you that um, I'm very fortunate to be part of a leadership team where I can bring these things up, where I will challenge and I will say, do we, let's take a look at our value and let's take a look at the decisions that we want to or the strategic strategic planning that we want to move forward with. Do they align with what we're saying, what we're telling our colleagues? Are we um, competitively paying our people, right? That's a table stake, Mm -hmm. Um, benefits, things like that. Uh, Giving career pathways and opportunities too. That needs to be part of your culture. And it's getting tougher. In this climate, it's getting tougher. And it's very tough actually in smaller organizations because there aren't you know, a lot of ladder climbing climbing opportunities. So you have to really get creative there with career pathing. Um, or we uh, continue to adjust our values um, because that's one thing too. If you've got the same, um, you know, values that you had, you know, 20 years ago as an organization, um, you now some of them, Prob- some of them actually still might be uh, resonate with the organization and might need to be held true as table stakes, but some of them might need to evolve. Um, you know, DEIB would be an example of that. 
inclusivity. Um, and then that also uh, leads to how, how do you build uh, trust within an organization? Um, so stand behind what you're saying. And if anything changes, you have to speak to it immediately. Like don't pretend that they don't know what's going on. Uh, so be transparent, especially about the tough stuff, unless it's confidential. Um, and you share these things and you're transparent. Actually, that's how you build trust trust. I would also say from the leader's perspective, you asked about, you know, what, what they could do, ask for open and honest feedback. And here is the most important part of that. Be willing to receive it when it comes to you. It's a gift. If you can ask somebody for feedback as their leader and they give it to you, man, first of all, it probably means that they trust you, but they'll only trust you once. Uh, and that's a gift. So I routinely ask my team, uh, I would say ask them about once a month um, and I'll say is and I, typically in our one on one, is there anything that I'm doing or that I've done recently that has made you feel upset, annoyed or irritated? And please be frank with me because it's how I learned too. Um, is there anything I could uh, be doing better to support you? And sometimes the answer is yes. I'm driving them up the wall. and They do need <laughs> something I'm not giving them. Well, what a gift that they're telling me that. So without both asking for their input and providing that safe uh, space in which they can answer honestly, um, we'd never bridge that gap. Um, or have those communications that lead us to a more efficient, harmonized and happy team. And I tell you, I can feel it, Carly, when I'm out with my team. We all get along so well. And it's not because Anne's sitting there, oh, the boss, I don't even like it when they call me that. Um, but I will tell you, it's because we trust each other. We enjoy each other. We're there to lift each other up. So celebrate your wings, wins, big and small with your team, um, but also give them a safe place in which they can speak to you, um, not as your boss, but as another human being. I think trust and honesty, that two keywords that I think are just so important and you you'd rather have that than have you know people sitting there that don't feel that they can be honest with yeah. you or and they don't trust that you know what they say will you know stay with them um and being transparent as well um I definitely think those are the key things that um as an as a colleague, <laughs> you oh. definitely need to feel because otherwise, like you said, you don't have that that space. And how can you be um, you know, share your ideas or your thoughts or your feedback? Um, and like you said, you won't be able to bridge that gap um, and potentially have um, colleagues leaving the organisation and not sort of knowing what you could have done um or if there any if if there was anything that you could have done to sort of just to stop that and to keep them on board in a, in a happy in a happy happier environment so we've spoken about ways that you can create a healthy culture what are some of the don'ts when it comes to culture yeah you're you're right you know it's equally as important that we understand you know what are the things that we need to avoid at all costs in order to because you you know um as well as i do you can do nine things right and that one thing that you do wrong will set you back in your culture um on your culture journey so i think that one of the things that comes to mind first is uh don't say what you don't mean and inauthenticity can be smelled a mile away I don't think, I, I think sometimes, you know, as leaders, I don't, like, who who do we think we've, we're fooling? These people are so in, in tune to what's going on within an organization. Um, and you won't be able to uphold trust 
um, in your company values if you don't don't demonstrate those values in your words um, and your actions. So don't say what you don't mean just because it's the thing to do right now or it's the buzzword. Um, be authentic about it. Um, for example, if a company touts respect and trust as its core values, but and I know that some people might not agree with me here, but and then they put in a time tracking system. So unless it's you're in a billable environment um, or you need the data for something, like it's a short-term thing where you need the data to support the team, help the team, maybe grow the team. Um, but it, this time, uh, something like it, putting a time tracking system, in my mind, flies in the face of trust. Um, so anything, uh, an important piece of information, as I said earlier, that's not confidential, hidden away, um, that doesn't live up to the stated values. Um, another thing to think about is don't rely on culture to keep itself going once it's established, right? We've all seen this before, too, where you set up this culture and everybody's happy and the leadership team gives themselves a pat on the back and says, now that'll take care of itself. Uh, like everything else, uh, company culture will continue to evolve with the times and certain practices, or even the beliefs um, may need to change along with them. And we chatted a little bit about that earlier, but worse, if you're if you um, if you get your company culture uh, to be a good place and then just leave it to take care of itself, uh, chances are it will actually flounder without attention and effort, ongoing effort, not just at the time of an employee engagement survey or a major crisis within the organization. I think of it kind of like a growing plant. Uh, you kind of have to water it, mm -hmm. um, keep it in the sunshine um, in order for it to thrive. Um, the other thing that I would say is don't make your feel, uh, excuse me, don't make your team uh, feel like they uh, can't come to you openly and honestly. And we we just chatted about this, um, but I've seen this so many times in my career, Carly, um, where you ask for feedback, whether it's an employee engagement survey, where it's one on one. And I think we've all experienced this. I can just when I say this, I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine your your listeners' heads are are nodding. That we all know that leader that asks for the information, or they're looking at the survey and they're going, "I bet so and so said that. I bet so and so said that." Um, that's unremarkably lazy leadership. Um, so don't take feedback personally. I often say don't defend it or debate it. We just had our employee engagement survey uh, feedback, our ENPS, and I set some parameters about questions that the leadership team could ask. They could not defend or debate. They had to ask questions like, tell me more, give me an example. Um, so perception is reality. So whether we agree with the feedback or not, that's irrelevant. Perception is reality. Um, it's how someone's feeling. And it might just be point in time. That's why I'm not big on like these once a year huge surveys. Um, um, you'll shut someone down and they'll be afraid to come to you again. One of the things that I would recommend um, is every leader, and I'm going to say like every person, um, I don't know if you've heard about this book, Carly. It's called The Four Agreements. It's by Don uh, Miguel Ruiz. It's a, it's been around for a long time, and very quickly. Um, and I'm happy to share this with you after. And and if your listeners want to, uh, I can send them the link to this. But he's got four key principles that I think will carry um, leaders and hu the human humans in general uh, on the right path. And the first one is be impeccable with your word. 
The second one, and this is the one that you and I are talking about today, is don't take anything personally. And that is so difficult to do. And that means good and bad. So if I compliment you, don't take it personally. And if I criticize, don't take it personally. Don't make assumptions uh, is the third one. And the fourth one is always do your best. And I won't get into um, uh, his um, elaboration on on those. Uh, but I would say that I'd like to see every leader have those posted right in front of them. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Man, Carly, could you imagine what kind of leaders we'd have if we if they instilled those, those principles and those values? Can you imagine what humanity would be like? The other thing, and this sounds a little bit silly, but the other thing that I personally have is this no jerks rule. And um, you could be the most capable person in a company and hitting all of your OKRs. Um, but if you're stepping over people or behaving in a way that flies in the face of the stated company values or your personal values, um, you're probably not a good fit in the organization. And a lot of organizations won't let that person exit the organization um, because there's, you know, they might be a top performer. But I would say uh, you have a responsibility to the organization and the rest of your colleagues to weed those people out. Character matters mm -hmm. just as much as performance, uh, because performance is also always teachable in most cases where personality is not. So make sure, um, and I often will say this to my team, hire people that you would want to work with that are that align with our values um, and that will treat their colleagues with respect. Um, so yeah, so that's the no jerks rule, Carly. I like it. I like it. And what we'll do, um, we will put a link to the book in the show notes so um, they can, um, our listeners can find that. And I think just touching on something you mentioned at the beginning of that um, question about um, don't just set it and leave it and don't water it you know it's like a plant it needs to to grow um it's something that when we've done previous podcasts that every anybody that I've been talking to has said you know it's so important that you, know, you recognize that you have an issue with your workplace culture so you you know make changes to, to sort of rectify that and to create more of a healthier culture um but you you can't then just leave it, you know, continued work is is there to be done. And I think that's that's really important. I think you've you've given us lots of tips, um, advice, um, and lots to go away with. But I do like to end the podcast with one lasting piece of advice, if there are any more <laughs> that you can give. Um to anyone looking at their internal culture and wondering how they can create a healthier one, what one piece of advice would you give? Yeah. Um, so it kind of ties into the other things that we've been chatting about. So I'm going to say two things uh, and I'll be brief. The first one is um, if you're not conducting stay interviews within your organization, you're missing a great opportunity. We have the interview at the beginning of the relationship with a colleague and we have the exit interview at the end of the relationship with the colleague. Um, uh, that's a whole bunch of time in between where you're losing valuable information. So I highly recommend a stay interview. Um, and the other thing is don't sit in a boardroom as a leadership team and try and determine what the culture is and then create this campaign around it. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing you have to do, so that one piece that you asked me for, Carly, I'm going to blow your mind here. It's mm -hmm. ask. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> that simple. Uh, where is the culture currently? So what are you working with today? Where does it need to be? And it's not just the leadership team deciding that. What do your colleagues need to thrive? What kind of culture do they want to um, come to every day? What's that feeling that they want? Um, what do colleagues want and need? Um, and how can we close the gap between where we are today, where we need to be, um, and then build a plan to close that gap? Because if you can't define it, you can't improve upon it. Yeah, and I think it comes back down to that important communication and involving, like you said, involving the colleagues and, you know, not just sitting in the in the boardroom with the leadership team, but actually involving um, colleagues and asking, like you said, the revolutionary word, but asking um, the question and also not being afraid of those responses and, and taking those on board. Um, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. There's definitely a lot in here that I think um, any leaders listening can can take from that and take into their their organisations. And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us for another episode of Giant Talk. As always, if you have any feedback or if there's anything you'd like us to talk about on our next episode. You can get in touch with us by emailing growth at therebegiants.com. And thank you again, Anne. It's been great. My pleasure, Carly. Thank you to you and your listeners.